Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. There's nothing like live radio. My daughter just came running into the room saying, Mommy, Mommy, I have to go potty. The one hour a day that I'm not available, but she's great. It was actually funny the other day she came in during the show and was quietly talking to me and I'm like kind of waving at her. She knows to be quiet during the radio show. So then she sat in the other room and I have my radio studio and the light to the room for the radio studio is on the other side of the wall and she turned off the lights on me and I have no windows and it was pitch dark and I was trying to read my notes during the show. So nothing like live radio, especially with kiddos, but this is fun. We are live. I am joined in just a moment by my guest who is a pro-life OBGYN. He has had a long journey to get there. He's a founder of the Tepeyac OBGYN and Divine Mercy Care. And he wrote the book last year, about two years ago now actually, called Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medical Care. Dr. John Bruchowski is joining me today here on Trending. Dr. Bruchowski, I was thinking about your story earlier today. I know you were in your third year of medical school when you first assisted in an abortion. You've had an incredible conversion since then. You work on the front line of the pro-life movement. And what was on my mind was this challenge that many people in various careers have of ethics and morality while navigating ambition and rising up the ranks. And I thought this was a relevant conversation when it comes to the medical community. How do you up-and-coming physicians navigate ethical care and ambition while rising up the ranks. Let's dive into your story a little bit. You wanted to be an OBGYN. You really wanted to help and work with women. You assisted in your first abortion during that third year of medical school. How did you find yourself in the operating room performing performing that first abortion? Oh, Timory, it's wonderful to be with you again, and uh, it's just good for the soul and good for the heart here. So, it's nothing more than mortal sin, meaning um, I knew I was breaking away from what my family taught me, what my culture of Polishness taught me, life. My parents went to the March for Life every year with the uh, high school we, my dad taught at, um, and I went against church teaching. I knew it was grave matter. I saw the pictures. In fact, I did the abortions, right? I knew what I was doing. So there was grave matter. Uh, and I fully acknowledged that uh, it was mortal. And uh, I committed it with full consent. So I was being, fr- I was fracturing. But I have to say that for me, it was, I was a man pleaser, in this case, a woman pleaser, rather than a God fearer. 
and all the biblical, scriptural, traditional, wonderful, merciful Catholic teaching, I turned my back on, and I had to take a deep breath, not because I thought, oh my God, I'm killing something here, but because I'm going against my family, my God, my heart. And um, because it was so seductive, little by little, I didn't stop to think about all the little steps along the way, and so there it was. That's how I found myself in that operating room. And uh, once you do one, you continue to do two, three, four, a hundred, whatever, but it's your heart. Your heart, that connection you know, the vagus nerve we now talk about in, um, you know, kind of comprehensive healthcare, uh, this vagus nerve that affects the stomach and so many aspects of you when you're stressed. Well, that was me. And uh, you just decide to pick one side or the other. And you realize that at that moment, I decided to do the unthinkable. And then that led later on to doing second and third trimester term abortions. So uh, mm-hmm. it's a great question, but um, I think it's the mercy of God that really, really heals that. Because I know what I deserve. I deserve to be, you know, taking the life of an innocent. Uh, I should be in jail. And yet the mercy of God is healing, and he's there for you. And he's there, and you learn from this. Mm. So, yeah, good mm. question. <laughs> well, as I think about it, I think most people, to be at that level of performing abortion, as you say, and I appreciate your candidness on such a deep wound uh, oh, and diving cool. into your own it was sinful past, that you're, you're candid in your first response of, it was nothing short of mortal sin. You knew what you were doing, and you committed it with full consent, and and yet you mentioned you were a man pleaser, in this case, a woman pleaser. Were, would you say, because this is relevant to people who are trying to be ambitious, trying to rise up the career ladder, but also have health uh, care ethics behind them that they want to follow. So when you say you were a man or a woman pleaser, were you trying to please the physicians you were assisting, who are mentoring and teaching you, or were you trying to please the patient who was choosing this as their medical care? Hey, Timory. Once again, it is such a joy to be on your program. You know, I'm a physician. I, you know, I am redeemed. I have been saved by the blood of Jesus and the love of the Blessed Mother and the mercy of the Sacred and Immaculate Hearts. And here you are. You make it easy to come right out and say this because I don't think you, I don't know, I know you don't pull punches. Pick whatever you want. I want it to please anybody. Mm-hmm. I want it to please. I used to want to please my mom and dad. I wanted to please my teachers. I used to be, I used to have a relationship with the mother. I was consecrated to the Black Madonna, Our Lady of Chestahova. Uh, I turned my back on all of that because sin carries you away. Slowly but surely, wormwood gets you, and you end up in the freaking slop. And so you were so good about how do we help people now navigate this? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this is about transforming, transforming hearts through healthcare. One is, the first, and I've kind of come up with these seven principles. One is, before anybody out there who's thinking about going to, into healthcare, where 
you know, abortion is considered excellent health care. You, you need to provide it. Contraception, oh, that's already a given. IUDs, no problem. In vitro fertilization, oh, yeah, let's not only make embryos, but we can freeze them and manipulate them, and we don't even need parents anymore. We can just clone them and mm. step them. We're so far down the line. Mm. John Paul said uh, we're at a place where there is no right ethical decision anymore for frozen embryos. We've gotten into such a mess. However, this is what I would suggest to anybody out there who has got a child or a family member or themselves interested. One, you better pray deeply before going. You better learn the art of silence before the God of the universe and your Abba and our Ima, the, fem- the female mommy with Our Lady, and just sit in their presence and learn whether it's the breviary, whether it's daily prayer, whether it's meditation, whether it's it's all about that deep prayer, and then get people to pray for you. So, man, you call up local nuns, local pre on prayer chains. Hey, could you guys pray for me? I'm heading into school. That's the first mm-hmm. step. Number two mm-hmm. is you better know what you believe. You contact this. You you read the catechism. You read medical ethics. But, but that's kind of hard to do because it's an intellectual. You, you need to get to the heart, meaning mm-hmm. you better be 90% into your heart because intellectually you're going to fail because Jesus is a searcher of hearts. He knows that the heart is where we lose the battle. So you surround yourself with peers and mentors, people your age and people or people like myself who are passing on the wisdom to you. Surround yourself with peers and mentors. Number four, Go learn a fertility awareness-based method. Go learn it, because before you go, you can actually bring something to the medical team. Remember, people are going green. They don't want this crap pumped into their bodies. People are going to balk. What, an IUD? No, no, I don't want to do that. Pills? No, I don't want class 1 carcinogens. You can say, well, wait a second, I'll take care of this tough patient because I know about fertility awareness. You do that... In your college years, you find a way to learn and to actually become practical at that. Number five, it's all about listening. When you're engaging somebody on the wards, in the, on the halls, in the, no matter where their background is, listen. Because listening in friendship is greater than an argument. And remember, that leads to point number six, which is about you get your heart, eyes, and mind and your whole person, the theology of the body, but in the most practical way, it fills you. When you shake their hand, they're touching Christ through you. When you look at them in that moment where they say, I have no other choice, I've got to do this. I I may not be able to help you, but I understand. Come back to me after it's done, because I can't help you here, because I really think it's the wrong choice, but I still love you enough that I will walk with you through whatever the follow-up is. That's this idea of caring integrated. And then lastly, point number seven, like a sac- you know, the seven sacraments, that perfect good number, you've got to be able to understand the intellectual data. You have to be able to understand the mm-hmm. agony and misery that the sexual revolution has brought on women and men and relationships, and families, and the whole nine yards. But you also have to understand the heart. 
that people deep down inside are seeking love. They want to be beloved. And you're there to actually engage them, not so much in an argumentative fashion, but in your witness. So, you know, I, I think you were hinting on that. And you, you know, you helped me focus on that uh, over the times that I've been with you, Timmer. You're always talking about a solution that is about learning the mystery. And with words gone stupid and logic gone stupid, uh, it's a witness. It's actually the look in your eye. When you look at someone, they'll see Christ in you. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to say a dang word. <laughs> What you're saying is very profound, Dr. Bruchowski, and just your testimony of this is the core of navigating medical health care today, because we have this, uh, I think, parallel life of ambition and then this life yeah. of uh, morality and faith, oh. and they're either parallel or they're in one, and they can't be parallel because they'll collide. <laughs> The two roads will collide, absolutely. And this is the humble testimony that you share over and over again in these interviews, in your book, Two Patients, your conversion story from abortion to life-affirming care. And yet these principles, I think, are guiding, as you say, looking to medical school, that you need to be deeply prayed for. You need to know yourself, know your faith, be able to listen. I love where you mentioned even knowing fertility-based methods, that you don't do that during or after medical school, but you do that as a student early on. Because I'm looking at these fertility clinics, these NAPRO fertility clinics that are pro-life, pro-woman, no compromises, and they have waiting lists off the charts, if you can even get onto some of their waiting lists. And you know, people talk about, you know, many people go into medicine to help care for people. Some people go in for the high dollar amount in terms of a career. But talk about two worlds coming together in such a beautiful oh, yeah. way. There's your oh, opportunity. Yeah. No, no, you're right. And the reality is that we've been so, you know, how do you prepare for a post-war world? Well, give me a break. It, all they did was they just sent it back to the states. And now we've got telehealth and chemical abortions. And, you know, every state is just, if they're fully Democrat, they're kind of pushing to abortion after birth even. It's becoming terrible. Mm-hmm. And yet... It's not about, once again, when you trust in Jesus Christ, on the Polish side, I just got back from Poland, Jesus, I trust in you. It's about surrendering fully so you don't worry. The surrender novena that so many of us do. Johnny, why do you worry? Has my son ever let you down, she would tell me. <laughs> no, Yuma, <laughs> he hasn't let me down. <laughs> and so what happens is, is that, this idea of fertility awareness is really the secret for the renewal of Catholic health care. Mm-hmm. Because once again, what is Catholic health care? Well, Tepeyac OBGYN in Fairfax, Virginia has done it for 30 plus years with more than one doctor and many midwives and many patients. And we've just done it in our way, NAPRO doctors, and they do it in their way. You have free clinics that do it in their way. But what we found is, is that it's about accompanying our patients. So we believe in almsgiving. We're a not-for-profit. We see the underserved. We work with, we collaborate with pregnancy centers. So they can send their tough cases to us so we can do those ultrasounds and do those exams. We do all the fertility awareness-based methods. We really love NAPRO technology. We love all the different facets that are out there that are different forms to fit 
the woman, femme, all these, you know, healthcare has advanced huge <laughs> in the last 50 years of Roe. And yet we, they're still on the other side lying about miscarriages, lying about ectopics, lying about when the heartbeat, because they know they have nothing else. So they make you fear, oh, if, if you pass this pro-life law, you're going to lose. The you don't mm -hmm. need to abort babies in order to practice excellent health care. Mm -hmm. There are horrible moments when you have to target the disease, but you never directly intend the life of the child. Mm -hmm. We also do perinatal hospice. We also do praying with patients. And it's that conglomeration of excellence, caring for the least, always caring for two patients, because if you care for the mother well, you're going to care for the fetus inside of her well, her with child. That's the beautiful part about this. You get them to that point of 22, 23, 24 weeks, and then you can deliver that child so they can go to the nursery, so they can be cared for after birth. Mm -hmm. And then once again, this idea of following uh, the teachings of the Catholic Church. That's why I get so upset with so many of these issues with blessings, you know, whatever these unions are. My gosh, I was trained by the Jesuits. You know, they taught me how to, that it's okay to contracept. They taught me it's okay to do IUDs. They taught me, you know, in tough cases, Johnny, you got to do abortions. Once again, the teachings of the Catholic Church that John Paul and Benedict and Francis to a point. I mean, my God, this is mercy. This is mm -hmm. actually the truth. Uh, it's, it's, to stand it's, by the church's teaching and not compromise. Yes. Just to clarify, because if anyone's jumping no, in, you know, no, sometimes people exactly. in the church teach what the church doesn't believe and call that mercy, but true mercy is standing by the truth of the human person, uh, the truth of human life, that no life Amen. is one that we can take in the womb, that no life Amen of a that. woman can be harmed in that way. It's, I, I hear what you're saying, and it's so fundamental, especially when you're talking about working as a Catholic in healthcare, here's one of the challenges I think a lot of people have is they go, okay, I have my Catholic faith. I hear what you're saying. I'm going in. But what about when compromise has to come in? Someone will say, okay, well, you don't have to go and perform that abortion at, let's say, our surgery center. However, you still need to be involved in this part of the operation. And maybe it's not directly cooperating in that abortion, but it's in close proximity. I think the question is not necessarily speaking to that particular circumstance, but what compromises do you and do you not make? Because I think for some people, it's very clear it's black and white. For other people, they say, okay, I didn't have a part participation in that particular surgery or in prescribing that particular contraceptive or chemical abortion. So I feel like my hands are clean, but there's still that close proximity. Well, uh, so I, I absolutely, you know, once again, Timory, I think your questions are spot on for myself as well as for your audience. What happens here is that there are times like when a, when a medical student um, helps out in a cesarean section, but at the end of the case, they're going to do a tubal ligation. They can speak to their uh, student, you know, their, their residents, the docs on the case, that as a Catholic, they really can't do that. They'll, they'll learn about how to tie knots. They'll, they'll learn all the facts about 
sterilization, but they're going to walk, they're just going to disrobe, get out of the room, move, you know, move to the wall for a while. That's part of what it is. That's part of what it takes. Meaning you don't have to constantly hold your Catholicism on your sleeve. A lot of the time you're silent, you're listening to people talk, uh, you're, you've already hopefully talked to enough people to know where you draw the line, which is what we've done for students and residents for the last 30 plus years. There's great organizations out there, um, you know, American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs, Catholic Medical Association. Um, and so what happens is, is that at Divine Mercy Care, it's about accompaniment. And we work with people through these. The folks that you really have to ex- talk to is your residency director at your residency program when you're actually learning OBGYN. But I would say that when you go to medical school and you're doing your clerkships, you kind of go through and you learn what you need to learn. (laughs) If something comes up, you do the best you can to clarify your position, and you never, ever have to be forced to compromise, like put your hands and do the abortion. You don't have to stand in the room and watch the abortion, because abortions... You learn through DNCs, through taking medication, through miscarriages. There's many ways you can learn the facts to satisfy the requirements of your academics. But you also realize that it's matters of the heart and matters of intellect and matters of what you're most comfortable with. And I think if you build up the goodwill of wanting to be part of a team... If you want to be part of the health of this patient, that you have, you have rights, just like the patient does, to participate in as much or, you know, in the, in the areas that you shouldn't be, you don't have to. And you can still get a great education, score well on the tests in order to get through. Eventually, there may come a time where they're going to even tighten down on this. Right. And I but know that a lot it... of my student friends are getting, you know, attacked directly now. Mm-hmm. And the depression and the despair is real. Yes. However, accompaniment, what we do at Divine Mercy Care, and anybody out there who wants that help, they can always contact divinemercycare.org or Dr. J. Bruchowski at divinemercycare.org. And uh, we can help uh, begin to accompany you through this process. But it's real. I, and this is, not, this is not for the faint of heart. There was a commercial I heard about, um, gosh, discover your purpose and courage. Well, just because you're going to be assaulted in OBGYN or in medicine today as a, as a practicing Catholic does not mean that it, that call was not still from the Father's heart, Mm. and to encourage and exhort people to live this, to actually witness it, that's how we're going to take over, that's how we're going to help reclaim the the wandering lostness, the the death. I mean, Mm -hmm. why do women tolerate all this reproductive health when we're polluting the body, we're destroying natural right. 
I think a lot of feminists now are really beginning to wake up and they're saying, uh, why are we doing this? And I think the witness, the care, the thoroughness, the comprehensiveness, the caring to get to the root causes, my gosh, we were made for this moment. And uh, now we have the experience to to help you get through. Amen. And you make it very clear. It is black and white. If you're trying to navigate the medical community, if you're trying to navigate your residency, if you're trying to navigate medical school— Know your faith. You gave those seven key principles for walking through and practicing as a physician, going through school. Stick to them. And I think that what you gave are wonderful. I hope that if you're listening and you're headed toward medical school, you're in the medical profession, that you'll listen to this episode or share it with someone who is. Dr. Bruchalski, you have an incredible testimony. You shared it here on Trending. I'm including a link to your book along with your testimony that you've given here. The book is called Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. And you've been doing incredible pro-life work for over 30 years. Thank you for your candidness in opening up your story and for the work you're doing now. You can find Dr. John Bruchowski at divinemercycare.org. That's divinemercycare.org. We'll be right back here on Trending to talk about controversy of the very popular Instagram account you may be aware of as of Ballerina Farms. It's all about controversy surrounding motherhood and recovery after having a baby. But is it really? I think the story is about comparison and the impact social media has on us. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Join me tomorrow here on Trending for Ask a Therapist with licensed marriage and family therapist, Joe Sakura. Join us for free professional advice from a Catholic perspective. Also, do you think we idolize what the perfect marriage and family life looks like? Whether you're single, someone who wants to be married, or someone who's in the thick of marriage, do you think that this idolization of marriage and family gets in the way of thriving and serving in the moment where you're at in your own life. We'll talk about that tomorrow here on Trending. There's been quite the controversy on the line over the last couple of days. If you have followed this account, Ballerina Farms, over the years, many people have. I know a lot of women love the Ballerina Farm account. If you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Hannah from Ballerina Farm. She was a Juilliard ballerina. She was actually, you may know her for being crowned Mrs. American last year for 2023. She has a story of... Living in the city and her and her husband and her kids turned ranchers. They have a huge compilation of businesses, things they sell from meats to flowers. And she just welcomed the eighth child into her family just two weeks ago. And she is facing some pretty serious flack right now. You may have heard her in the news for uh, her people pointing at her for her pro-life beliefs after she won the Mrs. American competition earlier last year. Uh, That's a whole topic in and of itself because she is Mormon. And if you dive into Mormonism at all, Mormonism has a very odd odd position as to why they're pro-life, having to do with their lineage and reuniting all the members of their family. It doesn't have to do with an ethical viewpoint, at least from a religious perspective. Now, that doesn't mean that Hannah from Ballerina Farms isn't pro-life for the right reasons and honoring the life of the child and the health of the mother 
and for that being her reason of thinking that abortion is unthinkable, but kind of setting that side of it, that part of it aside, uh, that might be how you know Hannah from Ballerina Farms. But here's the latest controversy. And there were a lot of things that went on for a little bit of background a couple years ago now. Um, she and her husband faced a lot of scrutiny because people believed that Hannah and her husband from Ballerina Farms really kind of bootlegged it. They started from the ground up, turned into, I think, what a lot of people think is very picturesque today of homesteading, and then you start selling off of your land, and then you have this thriving family life where your kids are with you every day, and maybe you're doing the homeschooling. Uh, there's, I think, this very picturesque love and desire for many people of what Ballerina Farms stands for what she's doing, the beautiful family. You see photos of her making sourdough bread or various cheeses and all these homemade waffles, beautifully remodeling her home as she has eight children. And much of her story characterizes her and her kids with her and this family life that is very beautiful. And Part of the criticism from last year was that people found out that her husband actually comes from quite a bit of wealth and that they had that funding to kickstart all of their homesteading to businesses and rancher work that they're doing now. And people thought it was inauthentic. that They weren't honest uh, for not having shared the financial background of he and his family. That's another topic for another day, but I do think it serves as a little bit of the background to this controversy because here now what's happening is this week, Mrs. American, Hannah, also known as Ballerina Farms, is competing in the Mrs. World pageant. Now, she won the 2023 Mrs. American pageant last year. Mrs. American, along with Mrs. World, are pageants for women who are married in the and in the thick of family life. Now, why she's facing controversy is because she's competing this month in the Mrs. World pageant while being two weeks postpartum. She literally just had a baby. And people were criticizing already that she was pregnant and working out still and that she was going through dress fittings and doing polar plunges. And then she has the baby and she posted a couple days ago a compilation of photos of what the last couple of days have been while she's both postpartum and tra has traveled with her newborn baby to compete in the Mrs. World pageant. She sh shows herself all done up in makeup at the competition and rehearsals and dress fittings. Uh, there have been conversations about her fitness routine right after having a baby, and she is being hammered online. That one post has, I think, close to 5,000 comments on it. And people are upset. They're criticized for her not modeling realistic expectations for herself and others, that she needs rest. What about the baby's immunity? What about the other children adapting to the new life? Uh, she has eight children. Other people are arguing, hey, even if she it did stay home and recover. She has eight kids. She wouldn't be able to rest. She'd continue to go running at a thousand miles per hour. Other people say, oh, she just has money, so she's privileged, and this is why she can have a great pregnancy and look fantastic as if she didn't have a baby right after having a baby. As you can tell, there's a lot of opinion, and I would argue a lot of shaming and mom shaming, a lot of criticism, a lot of praise, too, for 
and rich shaming as well. It's correct. Uh, for the life that she is living and how she is recovering and going about postpartum. The the comments go on, and I think there are a lot of takes that we can take on it. And I, I do want to touch on some of this because I think we might dive into some more of these things later this week. But a, a writer for EV Magazine, uh, Gina Florio, said, shouldn't there come a time when a child comes first and a mother has to temporarily postpone her ambitions in order to prioritize a newborn? And I totally get what she's saying. I don't know that we can level this criticism per se at Hannah from Ballerina Farms. And a full caveat so that you don't think I'm biased. I actually haven't fo- followed Ballerina Farms up until a couple months ago. And I don't even look at my Instagram. So I've seen it on occasion when people show her posts because people adore Hannah from Ballerina Farms. So there are some people who are coming up in, in visceral defense against this criticism. And... I think that it comes back into this whole idea that on one side we could discuss some people recover really well after having a baby. For example, Hannah from Ballerina Farms is an athlete. She has an athletic background. She was an incredibly well-trained ballerina. She's competed at very high levels when it's come to uh, pageant and performance. And the facts are that a lot of athletes can recover incredibly well and very quickly and even drop down to seemingly their same size prior to having uh, been pregnant. And that's great. They can do that. Other people can't. And in asking some opinions of people, I think that the bigger picture here isn't actually about recovering in postpartum or unrealistic expectations for women or how you should and shouldn't navigate where you go with a newborn baby. All of those are conversations that can and should be had, and I think this is a great opportunity to have them. But when I look at this story and the visceral reactions, I kind of had this reaction of, You know, I remember saying this to a friend in college, and she, to this day, always reminds me that I said it. Sometimes just haters are going to hate. And there's a legitimacy to that. This isn't actually about Hannah. It's not about Ballerina Farms. It's not about her family. It's not about the fact that she really has money and people thought she didn't. And she went from city life to homestead to this huge, massive number of businesses where they're selling and doing that homesteading life that a lot of people want to do. It's not even about modeling healthy postpartum recovery. This is about self-comparison and our own happiness. The bottom line is we can't control what is online or how one woman versus another woman recoups from having a baby. If someone's comfortable with taking their baby out right after having the child or if they're not, we can't navigate. We can't navigate any of these things. We can't decide that for other people. Happiness is thwarted when we live a life of comparison. And I think that this is what is my major takeaway with this story. We will never measure up when we compare ourselves to someone else. Either we pridefully might think about how much better we are, or we might leave ourselves in misery about how we don't measure up, never could, or we envy and desire and try to chase after what that other person has. Sometimes we'll never measure up by our own standards or those of the world that we give ourselves. 
maybe from the ways of the world, a spouse, a parent, or a boss. I think this controversy is a great way to talk about things such as postpartum, birth, you name it. I mean, Hannah from Ballerina Farms is super crunchy. I love it. It's great. Not a fan of um, showing too many things. I was actually really laughing when I was asking online. I got a bunch of responses from people and what they thought about Ballerina Farms. And my mom's response was, just don't show me how you made your baby and how you feed your baby because she shows too much online. Not saying that she shows all of that, but too much of it. And so here's the deal. Those are great conversations we can have. But we need to be able to do it as a conversation versus shaming. Because as human beings, we do learn from observing from others and discussing. But there's a huge difference between observation and discussion versus envy, jealousy, gossip, and shaming. And we can do it whether in our own dialogue, interior dialogue, as we're going through social media, or in the conversations we have with other people about other people. Shaming, hating others, jealousy, envy, and pride are all, I think, a huge part of the social media culture we live in. If Ballerina Farms or any other person's successes online, their tone in which they share things, their photos, videos, impacts us so negatively that we have such cruel things to say, Maybe it's a good sign that we should stop following that person because it's not good for, I hate this word, but I'll throw it out there, our quote, mental health. And I'll set those words aside because I think they're quite annoying at a certain point. It's not good for our interior dialogue. It's not good for our sense of well-being, our sense of worth, that value that we have. It's not good for fueling ambition, which can be very unhealthy. It's not good for seeing our own talents and gifts. Part of the reason I didn't continue to use social media many years ago and unfollowed most people, most people, almost all friends, family, all of it, wasn't because I didn't want to see them and the joys of their life, but because we get into our own rut. I could get into my own rut, my own area of comparison. I could waste my time. I could waste hours on there if I let myself. Social media breeds contempt for ourselves and for others. It's a Comparison is a total happiness killer. And when we live our lives scrolling, that's where we leave our lives. Now, there's nothing wrong with from time to time going and enjoying beautiful, happy photos of friends, family, and even those influencers that you love. But it can be fun and enjoyable and even inspiring in small doses. It shouldn't lead to a mind game of misery. And that's what's going on. As I read those comments, even when people became upset over last year's controversy over Hannah and Ballerina Farms because they found out that, that her husband's family came from wealth. They founded a bunch of different airlines. At the end of the day, we can't control what other people post. We can only control how we measure up on our own, not how we compare ourselves to others. So here's where we need to, I think, start changing our shift. Instead of focusing on stories like this in this visceral reaction, how someone should or shouldn't share about postpartum life and having children, focus on things that make you a good, kind, loving, and joyful person. 
Change your life and feel better about yourself so that you can admire who you are. Okay, you can't recover like Hannah from Ballerina Farms and look as skinny as she does. But what you can do is instead of scrolling on your phone, you can read, you can work out, or you can talk on the phone and do some cleaning. You can schedule your prayer time and stick to it and set your alarms. You can plan your workout routine and enter into it pacing yourself. You can make time to connect with family. Take time in person to be with friends. Maybe it's once a week. Maybe it's twice a month. You can engage in real life and engage in it. Even when real life and its challenges are so challenging, those challenges are better than scrolling and following the lives of others, even our favorite influencers. Don't let yourself stay on that level of comparison and seeing how you constantly measure up. Let go of the scrolling. Sure, enjoy the social media accounts like Ballerina Farms and others that inspire you. But if it doesn't inspire you, if it's breeding this contempt, hatred, if you're saying cruel things, get rid of it. Ditch them. Even if there were some great things that did inspire you once, maybe you're not in the headspace to stay there. So those are my thoughts on the Ballerina Farms controversy. I might have more to say on it later on this week, especially as we talk about maybe this idolization of what we think are the picturesque versions of family life, motherhood, being a husband. We'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow here on Trending. I'll be right back to talk about an Emmy Award winner, Sarah Snook, who is sharing her pretty awesome pro-life testimony, whether she's pro-life or not. She's thanking as her leading person to be grateful for for her award at the Emmys and that is her child who was hanging out right under her heart in her womb at the time of her acting that won her award. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Are you going to the March for Life this weekend? I went to the San Diego Walk for Life actually last weekend. It was great to be back in the area and to see... The people, and I spent years in San Diego. I spent years, I helped to found the San Diego Walk for Life. And it was such a joy to be back and see these faces who have been a few years since we moved back to California. And to see their dedication, their love for helping women and children. To hear the stories of women who, just last year, one young woman, she came out of an abusive relationship. She found herself pregnant and she was scheduled for an abortion. She didn't go. Next week, she ended up in the Pregnancy Resource Center, and next thing you know, she was working with adoption agencies to place her child into the arms of a loving couple and to place her child in an open adoption. Incredible story. She actually spent time at the On You Stay House, the Lamb of God Maternity Home, that specifically works with women in pregnancy situations where they're choosing to place their child for adoption and they want to be around like-minded mothers who are in a similar a series of circumstances to help encourage one another that they know they are not in a place now to parent and that they are placing those children with people who can parent them. And so incredible story. I'm going to post a link to Lamb of God Maternity Home that's on you stay uh, foundation as well. But 
what reminded me was if you're not involved in some sort of walk for life or march for life, it's important that you try to go to something. Both to build up your pro-life voice, to get your finger on the pulse of what's happening now, but to also be around peers who are fighting in this battle to protect women and to protect babies and family life. We need this encouragement. We need these friendships in the pro-life community. So the March for Life in Washington is this Friday. And again, this year, Relevant Radio is inviting you to fast for life in solidarity with marchers. Take an active part in the march from your home or office by praying and fasting for the protection of unborn. Kathleen from California said she's not going to have any Diet Dr. Pepper, no artificial sweeteners in her drinks. She said, this is really hard for me, especially her morning coffee. Let us know how you'll be participating on Friday at relevantradio.com slash fast. That's relevantradio.com slash fast. And be sure to share hashtag fast for life on social media. Our toll-free line today is 888-914-9149. And it's sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Did you watch the Emmy Awards this week? Well, I didn't. You probably didn't either. A lot of people aren't watching. But one, I think, major highlight to take away was the outstanding witness of Emmy Award winner Sarah Snook, who she won Outstanding Lead Actress in the Drama Series for her role in Succession. And during that time, she was pregnant with her daughter. And something really neat in her acceptance speech, she gives a huge shout-out and thank you to her child in the womb. Listen to this. The biggest thank you, I think, though, is um, to someone who won't understand anything that I'm saying at the moment. Uh, but I carried her with me in this last season, and really it was her who carried me. Um, it's very easy to act when you're pregnant because you've got hormones raging. And um, the proximity of her life growing inside me gave me the strength to uh, do this and this performance. And uh, I love you so much. And it's all for you from here on out. Thank you. Pretty incredible testimony. I don't know all of her details, but it sounds like she's not been super involved in acting since uh, closing her page in the series Succession. And she's focused on raising her kid. And I love her shit. It's all for you from this point forward. How her life instantly has changed since having a child. Uh, if you don't know Emmy Award winner Sarah Snook, she was married actually in 2021. She fell in love with a comedian and actor Dave Lawson, and they had a baby just this last year. And she's attributing this Emmy Award winning performance to... The hormones of being pregnant, the emotion that comes, and carrying her child, as she says, in that close proximity to her that gave her the strength to perform the way she did. What a testament to how motherhood can transform and enhance your life for the better. It can give your life a completely different trajectory, sometimes planned, sometimes desired, sometimes unplanned, sometimes even cripplingly challenging but as she said in her testimony from here on out it's for her kid and she even recognizes her kid has no idea the words of gratitude in her acceptance speech that her thank you is going to someone who doesn't understand it will never understand but look at how sarah snook instead of saying 
My child kept me back from finishing acting in succession. My child kept me back from being able to deliver the performance I wanted to. My child impacted my waist size. My child impacted and going on and on blaming the child for how that baby impacted her speech, her body, her career, her exhaustion. Instead, Sarah Snook entered into this award-winning speech, showing the way she entered into motherhood with joy, with love, and with transformation. Transformation is what's supposed to occur when, as women, we welcome life into our bodies. And someone might say, okay, well, you are saying that because you're open to life. You consent to pregnancy, but other people don't consent to pregnancy. The argument just doesn't hold up. We all know where babies come from. And as when I worked in the Pregnancy Resource Center for years, I'd hear girls say, it's impossible. I can't be pregnant as they're awaiting for the test results. And I'd say, well, did, did you, did you? Well, yeah. They said, okay. And they said, well, it was protected. Well, that doesn't mean anything. We know where babies come from. And we know how babies transform our lives. Even within the case of this culture of abortion that we still live in, even with overturning of Roe versus Wade, babies still change our lives for the good or the worse. And when we choose abortion, we choose to have a child change our life for the worse. Not to blame the child, but the choices we made caused the negative impact of post-abortion syndrome that every woman experiences after having a child. It can look different for many people. It can be delayed. It can be instant. People might not even have any idea that they're experiencing. I listened to the testimony this weekend of one woman who had three abortions at our local Walk for Life. And her testimony included the story of after having her first abortion, how immediately not only did she start to spiral out of control, she was miserable, but her then boyfriend, the father of the child that she aborted, started to share how he was miserable. He was entering into a depression and how the both of them recognized it was because of that so-called choice of abortion. Motherhood transforms you. And this is the message, the message even of Sarah Snook that we need to share. That whether you embrace the life that you carry or not, motherhood changes you. Whether you carry to term or not, you have hormones and emotion, and you still had a child that you were carrying below your heart that was transforming your body as you were creating a shelter and a space for theirs. I'm in the season of speaking to even my daughter now about life and you know what does it mean? Is she, you know, her, her aunt's pregnant. What does that mean? These are conversations we have to have that moms protect their babies. That mom's lives are transformed by the presence of a child, just as Sarah Snook shared in her Emmy Award-winning speech for lead actress in the drama series Succession. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Thursday, ask a therapist with therapist Joe Sakura for free professional advice from a Catholic perspective. Do you think we idolize what the perfect marriage and family life looks like? Do you think this gets in the way of thriving and serving in the moment and season of life we're in? Whether you're someone who's single and wants to be married or who's in the thick of married life, 
More on this Thursday. Join me daily, 6 p.m. Central, on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.